Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Linnell Dickinson, and I serve as co-chair of the Church Greeters and a shepherding deacon to our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. Eternal God, you sent Jesus Christ to rule over all things and made us servants in your kingdom. By your spirit, empower us to love the unloved and to minister to all need. Then at the last, bring us to your eternal realm where we may worship and adore you and be welcomed into your everlasting joy. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work at the works of your hands. I will sing for joy. Let us worship God. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin to God who is always faithful and just and willing to forgive our unrighteousness and sin, we will be forgiven. So let us pray our confession together. Righteous God, you have crowned Jesus Christ as Lord of all. We confess that we have not bowed before him and are slow to acknowledge his rule. We give allegiance to the powers of this world and fail to be governed by justice and love. In your mercy, forgive us. Raise us to acclaim him as ruler of all, that we may be loyal ambassadors, obeying the commands of our Lord Jesus Christ in his name we pray, amen. God is indeed faithful and full of love, and God, both just, God is both just and merciful and forgiving. And hear our prayers. And friends, believe the good news of the gospel.
Now, as forgiven children, let us affirm our faith together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now let us greet one another in Christ's name. Children, children, <laughs> good, morning. good morning. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. We are so glad that you are with us this morning. I am looking forward to the return of Jesus because I know that Jesus will come back before Michigan beats Ohio State ever again. <laughs> okay, now we got that behind us. So we are so thankful to be together as the people of God and to know that God is in our midst and that God has certainly been, I'm sure, with us over this past weekend as we have gathered perhaps with those we've loved and had the chance to celebrate Thanksgiving and to rejoice in the abundance that God has showered upon us. And we hope that this service will be a continuation of that Thanksgiving for you as we rejoice in all of what God has done for us and for our church here at Church of the Palms. You'll see some Christmas trees in the corners, which is a, a sign of things to come. Uh, not only that the sanctuary will soon be decorated in full, and we give thanks uh, for Dave and Judy Lutz and Bert and Sandra Brucker, who put up those trees as an indication to you that after our 11 o'clock service, we invite you to come and join us as we do decorate the sanctuary. And uh, we'd love to, give you, uh, love to have you give us a, a hand with that. If you have the spiritual gift of decorating, we would love for you to join. Many hands make light work, and we could uh, certainly use your help right after our 
last service. We have uh, our luggage drive coming up this Wednesday, 6 to 7, over in the Campus Center. You'll want to join us for that as we gather up all those pieces of luggage that you've been donating over the last several days and bless them and send them on their way. So come and join us. You can come to that at 6 o'clock and then at 6.30, if you want to, you can run over here and be a part of the Music of Christmas, which is our Advent series this coming Wednesday evening at 6.30 over in the chapel. So come and and join us there as we celebrate uh, the Advent season, which is uh, soon on its way. The first Sunday of Advent is next Sunday. Our Christmas pageant will be this coming Saturday at 4 p.m., and you want to be a part of that. That is really a great event here in the sanctuary, so come and join us and support our children and families as they put on the Christmas story once again. Our food pantry offering is uh, continuing, and we are delighted that so many of you have already supported our food pantry over this past week, and we're going to continue that and through the end of the month, and we would love for you to help us with that. You may have heard last week that our foundation is matching every offering, gift, every dollar that comes into our food pantry will be matched by the foundation up to $20,000, so we hope that you will give generously toward that effort as we seek to support uh, this very vital uh, mission of our church here at Church of the Palms. This little light of mine is the calendar that you see in your bulletin, the beautiful colored insert, which is an indication again that Advent is on its way, and those are the 25 days of, the first 25 days of December, and a way for you to think about very, very practically, and, and oftentimes small ways, you can make a difference in the world. So we're inviting you to consider how you might shine your light in the world this Advent season, and that begins on December the 1st on that calendar, so we invite you to pay attention to that as we seek to be God's people in the world so that the light will continue to shine in the darkness. We are grateful to be able to share our stories of gratitude, especially in this season of Thanksgiving in November, and we're glad to have John Kennedy with us today. John is one of our Stephen leaders, and John, come on up to the pulpit and share with us your own story of gratitude. Good morning. My name is John Kennedy, and my wife and I have been members of Church of the Palms for almost four years now, ever since we moved here full-time from Pittsburgh. My story is one of God having a plan for us, even though at the time we do not understand it and find it very hard to swallow. I was playing football in a college at a Division II school in Pennsylvania, thankfully on a grant and aid because my parents couldn't afford to send me to college. My sophomore year, I played every quarter, but then in the last quarter of the championship game, I was carried off the field on a stretcher with a knee injury, never to return to football again and losing my grant and aid. Football was who I was in high school and in college, and at 19 years of age, I thought that the worst thing that could ever happen to me just did. The bottom line, I had to get a job to pay for my school and found one delivering furniture at a furniture store. And I worked there until graduation and became real good friends with the owners. Um, they had a son who was mentally disabled and he was in a home. I was too naive at the time to realize that they considered me to be the son that they did not have. They treated Dee and I like family <clears throat> and asked them, and I asked them to let me know when they were ready to retire and that I would like to buy the store, never imagining that that could really happen. We moved to the other side of the state when I took a job with American Home Products. I went to college at night and got my MBA, 
and we just built our second home when they let us know they were ready to sell. I was only 28 at the time, and I, thought I, I probably thought I was so smart that I knew everything, so we sold everything that we had just to get the down payment to buy the store. Thanks to God's plan, we did very well, bought other businesses, and my career took off. The bottom line is God had a plan for me. When I got hurt, I thought my identity was lost and that that was the worst thing that could ever happen. But without that injury, I wouldn't have needed a job. I never would have met uh, Art and Dot Lewis. And as a running back who used to run and plow into people, I'd probably have more aches and pains than I have right now. As, uh, but God's plan for me was a lifesaver. As we became older, my participation in church picked up. My career kept me from the one thing that was always on my mind, and that was being a Stephen minister. I've always had empathy for somebody who was hurting and was quick to try to help. Retirement gave me an opportunity to join Stephen Ministry and Shepherding Deacons. I am now working with my fifth care receiver, and I can tell you that caring for others has changed my life. I fully understand how blessed I've been all my life, and I do not take that for granted. God and the church have been with me in so many ways, even when I was not the best person that I could have been. Um, Shepherding Deacons and Stephen Ministry is a wonderful thing. My mother is in nursing care here in, Florida, in Sarasota, and I'm grateful that she is visited frequently by the church. As for me, I receive more than I have given to my care receivers and would recommend to anybody who is interested to please get involved with uh, Stephen Ministry. Thank you.
Let us pray. Gracious God, we are gathered as gifted people with multiple reasons to be grateful. Most of us come from comfortable homes, having enough to eat and clothes to keep us warm. Most of us are in good health and traveled here safely. Most of us can read and enjoy the freedom to worship you as we choose. We are grateful for the gift of fellowship with other believers whose love includes us and whose community carries us on our faith journey, even when we may be in a season of doubt, fear, or despair. We are grateful too, Lord, for works of art, for sights for sore eyes and music to our ears, for the sweet smell of success and the lasting lessons of failure, for the laughter that tells us how lightheartedly we can carry some matters, for the tears and sighs that tell us how much some people matter to us, for the phone call or email or moment in passing that tells us how much another cares for us, how blessed we are, yet also needy. We need better eyes to take in the beauty that lies around us, we need better ears for voices weakened by pain, muffled by abuse, and stifled by powerlessness. We need stronger hearts to dare to take bold actions in faithfulness to you for justice and compassion. We need to be able to live with ourselves and be hospitable to strangers. We pray for ourselves and all others who need the peace that passes human understanding that can come only from you, all of us who need your strength and guidance and courage to be good stewards of your earth, of your calling, of your hopes for the world. Transform your church this day, O God, that we may be powerful witnesses to your vision of your reign on earth, where no one goes hungry or is dismissed, and all people all people live in harmony. All this we pray in the name of our Savior Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In gratitude and with thanksgiving, let's give back to God just a portion of what God has already given to us as our ushers come forward to receive our tithes and our offering.
Let us pray. Merciful God, of whose bounty we have all received, we pray that you will accept this offering of your people. Remember in your love those who have brought it and for those for whom it is given. And so follow it with your blessing that it may promote peace and goodwill among all people in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated, and I'd like to invite the children and Miss Carol to come join us for a children's moment. Thank you. Yeah, we do. Uh, we are getting excited for this weekend, the Christmas pageant. What you guys are holding some signs up that says, come see the kids. It's a great way for you all to experience the, what the kids do, how they learn the Christmas pageant, and um, some families from the ECC. So, how was Thanksgiving? Did you guys have a nice Thanksgiving? What did you guys have to eat? Finn. Turkey. You had turkey? What'd you have? Turkey and ham. Turkey and ham. Ham and pumpkin muffins that tasted like cookies. Mmm, Moxie, what'd you have for Thanksgiving? Pie. Pie, so good. Did anyone have corn? Anybody have corn? Did you have corn? My Aunt Patty makes this corn pudding on Thanksgiving, and everybody loves it. It's a tradition, and it, it's just one of those things that I'm so thankful for every Thanksgiving that we get to, get to have. So do you guys know who the pilgrims were? Yeah, the pilgrims. So in the 1600s, the pilgrims sailed away from England to the new country, America, so that they could worship God just the way they wanted. And when they landed in Plymouth, Massachusetts, it was the beginning of the winter, and it was a cold, long, very difficult winter. And they worked really hard to create a settlement for themselves. So after the end of the winter, that first winter, they met an American, a Native American Indian named Squanto, who made friends with the pilgrims. And, the, and then Squanto taught them how to plant the Indian corn. So he's, he, he, told, he taught them how to plant the corn and with, a, with a mound of dirt, put the seeds in the mound of dirt with a fish to fertilize it. Right, you've heard this story. Right, so that's how, that's how. My 13-year-old hadn't heard it. <laughs> and that's how, that's how um, the, the pilgrims did. They did, and, they, and when they planted their corn that way, their harvest was so plentiful that they had enough corn for the next winter to carry them through. So they were so thankful that they wanted to have a special day of Thanksgiving so that they could thank God for his blessings. And... Every Thanksgiving from that day on, all the pilgrims would have five seeds, five kernels of corn that they placed right beside their plate to remind them to give thanks to God. So I have five kernels, five corn kernels. Can you guys help me? So I have these five kernels. Actually, there's more than five, but here's five kernels. You see? Look like and each one is to remind us of why we celebrate Thanksgiving and the blessings that God gives us. 
the first kernel is to remind us that God loves us. The second kernel is to remind us that God provides for our needs. The third kernel is God has given us lots and lots of friends. The fourth kernel reminds us that God puts in our lives people who care for us and love us. And the fifth kernel, <laughs> get your hand open. The fifth kernel reminds us that God answers our prayers. He hears our prayers and he answers our prayers. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you that you love us so much, and Lord, that you provide for our needs, and you put people in place in our lives that care and love us. We love you. Amen. may be seated. So us uh, preachers are always uh, risking walking the fine line between talking too little about money and talking too much about money. I suspect nobody ever accuses a preacher of talking too little about money. But on page eight, you'll see the uh, chart that shows what our uh, needs will be throughout the rest of the year when it comes to giving. 
uh, to Church of the Palms. Uh, that's a chart that's fairly familiar to you. It's one we have printed over the last several years to give you an idea of uh, what lies before us. We receive a good chunk of our giving in the last part of the year, so this is a number that is uh, not too far off from what you have seen before. However, it's uh, different this year because of a little thing that happened to us a few months ago called Irma. Uh, Irma caused uh, both a great disruption, uh, not only in our lives, but in the migration that took, uh, took place here in Florida, canceled one of our services, and thus provided a disruption for our general giving to our operations. And then also an eruption of service, right? We, uh, we erupted in service to our community. Our food pantry uh, was used uh, at a level far beyond what it's ever been used before. We uh, gathered up supplies. We took up a special offering. So we had a disruption in giving and an eruption in service, and that has been part of a contribution to what our challenge is for the rest of the year. So we lay that before you, ask for your prayers and uh, cons that your consideration, especially as you are receiving requests from all types of organizations at the end of the year, that you keep Church of the Palms in your mind as we uh, seek to and plan to and hope to uh, finish a good strong year once again. So our scripture today is from the prophet Jeremiah, and we are in the 29th chapter, and an appropriate text, I believe, for today, and especially for Thanksgiving. We are in the season of the prophets, and we have been listening to some of the major prophets as we make our way toward Advent, and today we are with the prophet Jeremiah and his word to the people of Israel who are in exile. So hear the word of God beginning in the first verse of the chapter and then continuing on with the fourth verse and following. These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat what they produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let the prophets and the diviners who are among you, you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you, and when you search for me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. And I will let you find me, says the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. 
By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name, amen. Well, some of you who attended Thanksgiving's Eve service a few years ago may remember me telling the story of the time when several years ago, Amanda and I came upon one of those empty, empty nest rites of passage when we discovered that we were going to be on our own for Thanksgiving. Our daughter was going to be away for the holiday and the rest of our extended family are far away, so we decided we had to decide what we were going to do and with ourselves on our first Thanksgiving on our own. Well, we decided to go away for a couple of days just up to Orlando. I was lamenting to a small degree this first non-traditional celebration, but we made sure to find a hotel that promised a traditional Thanksgiving feast for its guests. This was going to be the thing that eased the pain, the passing of time, and the missing presence of our daughter. Good old turkey dinner. Well, we enjoyed some sights in Orlando, and then later that day, we went back to the hotel looking forward to that Thanksgiving feast that awaited us, one that we were not going to have to labor over, added bonus. We showed up for our seven o'clock celebration and reservation and were seated, and after enjoying something to drink, the waiter came and asked for our order. We pointed to the featured item on the menu, turkey feast, turkey and all the trimmings, to which the waiter replied, "Uh, we ran out of turkey. (laughs) I wasn't sure I heard him correctly. (laughs) I'm sorry, uh, what did you say? He said, ah, yeah, we ran out of turkey about a half hour ago. This was the moment I began checking for the candid camera, camera. (laughs) I counted to 10 to gather my emotions and then calmly wondered with the waiter, "Uh, how is it that you you run out of turkey on Thanksgiving day? Were you uh, caught off guard that this might be the favorite choice of your diners? (laughs) The waiter looked at me with a, hey pal, I'm not the ordering department expression on his face. May I suggest he countered some chicken with turkey gravy? I looked at Amanda and she just kind of nodded her head and we ordered the roast chicken with extra, extra, extra turkey gravy. And the rest of the evening we suspended our senses and imagined the fowl upon our tongue was what the gravy was telling us. And don't think that I didn't order three helpings of pumpkin pie. Sometimes you just have to go with the ingredients you got. If you've ever seen the movie Apollo 13 or read the book by astronaut James Lovell, captain of the Apollo 13 crew, you might remember the scene when after the explosion on board that damages their oxygen delivery system, the crew and mission control have to make many quick and urgent decisions. For the first decision after weighing the damage is that they can't go to the moon. What they had been training for for years, they could not attain, landing on the moon. Second decision was a new mission, getting home safely. Nothing else mattered. Third decision, they had to abandon part of their ship because it required too much oxygen. And fourth, they needed to figure out a way to filter the carbon dioxide, the levels of which were rising in their vessel, and they had no hardware store to go to. They had to use what they had. Mission control engineers inventoried every available piece of unnecessary equipment on board and designed on the fly a jerry-rigged filter called the mailbox, and it wasn't pretty, but it was all they had, and most importantly, it got them home. 
Sometimes you just have to go with the ingredients you got. You remember the story of Jesus and his disciples followed by a mob of people wandering the hills and dales of Palestine when it came to the end of the day and no McDonald's or Burger King nearby. The disciples worry that the crowd, 5,000 or so in number, the crowd is getting hungry and wouldn't it be a decent thing to do to encourage them to head on to the closest village and to find something for them to eat? You know, every man out for themselves. And Jesus says, no, you, you give them something to eat. And the disciples look rather perplexed, uh, but we didn't prepare Jesus. We didn't bring our Coleman stove. We didn't pack our ramen noodles. And, and Jesus said, well, well, look at what you got. And they scrounge up five loaves and two fish, and Jesus says, well, well, that looks like enough for a meal. And the disciples say, but we've got 5,000. We don't have enough turkey for 5,000. And Jesus says, but that still looks like enough for a meal. And it turns out to be enough for a meal, a very large meal. Sometimes you just have to go with the ingredients you got. You know, one of the things you learn when you're reading through the story of the Bible is that the history of the people of God is not always a bright and cheerful one. If you're looking for a walk in the park, don't open up the Bible. The story of the people of God is no different than the story of people. Sometimes the sun shines, sometimes the clouds appear, sometimes the storms descend. The brilliance of creation leads to the fall of Adam and Eve. The promise of Abraham leads to the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. The deliverance from Egypt leads to 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. The magic of Bethlehem leads to the suffering of the cross. Mountaintop here, deep dark valley there, some good, some bad. I have a friend who calls it good, bad, both. Life is good, life is bad, and life is both. And sometimes you have all the ingredients in the cupboard, and sometimes you can hardly find a crumb. So the people of Israel, to whom Jeremiah is addressing his words this morning, are in the valley. They are in the land of deep darkness that Isaiah called last week. They are in exile. They have been pulled from their homes by an invading power. They've been dragged away to a foreign land, the kingdom of Babylon. And they have been living there not just for a couple of years, not just for a couple of decades. They've been living there for generations. And there isn't very much good about it. And looking around them, all they can see is nothing in the cupboard, nothing to hope about. This is just the way they imagine it's just going to be. And to these despairing people, Jeremiah speaks the word of the Lord and says, for surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for your harm, to give you, yes, you, a future with hope. Now remember, this word comes to Israel when they don't think they have anything. There is nothing in the freezer, no turkey on the menu, no filter for the CO2. In fact, the only thing they have, and they don't have much of it, is hope, which may go without saying because that's what hope is, right? The last thing you got when you don't have anything else. And Jeremiah is inviting them into a hope that God will somehow take the not yet visible ingredients of their situation and turn them into a better future, a sustainable feast. And lo and behold, a new leader rises in the land, a new political environment appears 
leaders on the landscape, international alliances shift, and before Israel knows, the people of God are allowed to go back home. After 70 years, they are allowed to go back home. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for your harm, plans to give you a future with hope. You see, the fundamental ingredient baked into the story of God and God's people is this deep belief that though life is not always a bed of roses, though life does not always work out the way we plan, though the news is not always good, there is this deep belief that God is ever seeking to move our story to good. God is always about some redemptive purpose with the materials that are hidden inside our vessel. God is always cooking up a good recipe no matter what ingredients we have in the cupboard. The great French philosopher, biologist, and Jesuit priest Pierre Teilhard de Chantin said, that, said it this way, not everything is immediately good to those who seek God, but everything is capable of becoming good. Not everything is immediately good to those who seek God, but everything is capable of becoming good. It's been that way ever since the beginning, right? I don't know exactly how the world and the universe got started, but I do believe that God is the one who got it started. And the Bible tells us that the wind, the Spirit of God, hovered over the deep, and God, like a good cook, began to play with the ingredients of chaos and disorder and confusion. And God somehow took what God had and began to make something, began to cook up a recipe, began to put together his favorite chili, and God said, oh, oh, now that's good. And if you look closely at the recipe, you see it's part oxygen and part hydrogen and part carbon and part uranium and part cayenne pepper and all the rest of the periodic table. Not sure that cayenne pepper's in the periodic table. <laughs> and God somehow takes it all and makes it into something good. Now, it's not that there aren't some bad things that can happen with it. You can put some ingredients together and you get explosions. And sometimes we humans do that. And sometimes the wind works in such a way that there are hurricanes. It's just part of the wildness of creation, the spice and the stew. But at the core of it all, 95% of it all, it is this ever-creating God who's always trying to come up with a, with a new recipe, a, a new dish, a new plan for the future. And it's the people of God who hold this hope, this hope that somehow God is going to make something good even out of what I've got. Not unlike the farmer out there plowing his field, they say that the work of a farmer is 5% of what it takes to bring about a good crop. The other 95% are the ingredients of the universe, the sun and the rain and the soil and the potassium and the magnesium. A farmer farms with hope that the forces of life will conspire to bring about great fruit. 
History is filled with people who surrender what little ingredients they have and somehow the forces of God's creative spirit conspire to bring about a beautiful life. Cripple him and you have a Sir Walter Scott. Make her a single mother on welfare rejected by 12 publishers and you have a J.K. Rowling. Bury him in the snows of Valley Forge and you have a George Washington. Subject him to bitter religious prejudice and you have a Disraeli. Birth her into slavery inflict upon her as a child a traumatic head wound and you have a Harriet Tubman. Strike him down with infantile paralysis and he becomes an FDR. Born him black and racist South and you have a Martin Luther King Jr. Have him lose his job, fail in business, suffer a nervous breakdown, defeated in a half a dozen elections, lose his own child and what you have is Abraham Lincoln. For surely, for surely I know the plans I have for you plans for your welfare and not for your harm, to give you a future with hope. Viktor Frankl, survivor of the horror of the Holocaust, came out of the degradation of those camps with this new revelation. It is not what you expect from life that matters. It is what life expects from you. It's not what you expect from life that matters. What matters is what life expects from you. And you know something? I'm starting to think that one of the great missing ingredients of our day and age is hope. I'm starting to think that one of the things that really is being expected of us is hope. Because I'm tired of hearing bad news. I'm tired of hearing about the shenanigans of the rich and the famous. I'm so tired of hearing about the paralysis in Washington. I'm so tired of hearing about uncivil behavior. I'm so tired of hearing about people disrespecting each other. I'm so tired of people wondering if the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And I'm realizing how easy it is to lose hope. How easy it is to just give in to the cynicism. How easy it is to despair. How easy it is to say that there is just no hope for the future. But somehow we've forgotten who and whose we are. We are the children of God. We are the people of the promise. We are the creation of a God who is always thinking of how he's going to make this thing into good. And maybe that means we just go out there and we plow our field. We, we give up our lunch for the 5,000. Maybe we let go of our hoarded money. Maybe we get to be the ones. We get to be the ones at Church of the Palms that people in Sarasota look to and say, now those, ha -ha, those are the people who've got some hope. Those are the people who see a bright future. Not unlike the young man I encountered at the checkout at Macy's a few years ago. I'm buying myself some socks down at Macy's and I'm talking to this young Macy's clerk. And somewhere along the way he asked me what I do and I tell him I'm a pastor and he asked me where I'm a pastor and I tell him I'm the pastor of Church of the Palms and leave it at that. And When the transaction's over the young man asks if he can talk to me for a moment. I say yes, so we walk over to the corner of the store and he says, you know, a couple of years ago, things were really bad for me, really bad. I was drinking, I was doing stupid things, I was going nowhere, I was living in my car. And a friend finally convinced me that I needed to do something with my life. And he told me that there was an AA group meeting at Church of the Palms on Sunday night. And he took me there, and I started going every week and went to a few other meetings and other places during the week, and I got a sponsor. 
And the sponsor told me that they hand out food right in that same building there at Church of the Palms five days a week. So once a week, I would go and get a couple of bags of food. And a bunch of other things happened, and now I've been sober for a couple of years, and I got myself this job, and I'm living in an apartment. Now, I don't go to your church, never been there on a Sunday morning. But you know, you guys, you guys helped save my life. And I just wanted you to know that. For surely I know the plans I have for you. Plans for your welfare, not for your harm. Plans to give you a future with hope. For not everything is immediately good to those who seek God. But everything is capable of becoming good. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.